0: Okay, so it's good, man. Good to finally connect. Great
1: to finally connect. You don't look exactly like your, your, your profile picture online, but it's, uh, you're much more handsome than that guy. So it's uh, great, great to see you in the flesh and uh, beyond uh, behind the, the mask of, of the, the Italian mafia character that you have um, on Twitter. Of
0: Mr. Clemenza. Yes. <laughs> It's good it's good to have like relative outperformance, you know? Like if you're a fat Italian guy online, just be like a little bit better than a fat Italian guy and, and it, it really does do wonders. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I should I should maybe make my my profile picture a little bit fatter and a little bit more Italian. <laughs> so take me take me back on what what was take me back to your conception.
0: Ooh, I like this question. Um so I, I grew up in, so I'm one of four kids and family has always been kind of the center of my life. Um, grew up in Virginia, represent, um, for those who are listening in, I have a Virginia shirt on. Um, and I, so I'm one of three boys. I have an older sister and sports athletics, um, family, were generally the core of like what my family did like we were always playing sports i was playing baseball and lacrosse in two seasons football uh skiing my parents met on a ski mountain so being outside being in nature and being a part of like a collective team was a huge part of just how i was raised and um on top of that i I honestly genuinely grew up with a very core group of friends so like these are kind of like the things I feel like are like foundational to me like I always had like a very small group of friends good good family and then was always being active and so uh through life got really passionate about baseball um as kind of my like one true passion and uh just in high school really felt like I had something going with baseball so was playing uh, summer ball year ra- or basically baseball year round and training in the off season and through baseball training developed a passion for the physical side of sports and athletics. So I was working out at this gym called prospects uh, in Northern Virginia and I was there every day. Uh, people thought something was wrong with me. I was training like an animal at like 15 and uh, it was it, it, it that quickly I quickly realized that the training aspect of baseball was what I actually actually enjoyed the most like the preparation side of it so through that was able to parlay that into playing college baseball and uh, my experience playing college baseball was I got up to Division III Babson College and played two years and realized that baseball was something that I loved and cared about but there was more that i wanted to explore so i really wanted to get like an international study experience while i was in school i had the fortunate opportunity of being able to study over in italy for four months and uh that was kind of a transformative experience for me because i was living i'd basically i'd grown up you know 18 years of my life everything was very consistent patterns were all the same you know uh, and, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into this world where I'm living with this Italian family. The mother's from Germany. The father's from Florence. And I'm here, this American, trying to figure out, like, what is life in Europe? And I had this eight, 18-year-old host brother who was there and myself and then my two parents or uh, host host family. Uh, that experience for me was so cool because they were so curious about what I was like. So I kind of got to like really get introspective and be like, okay, like they're asking me all these like deep questions about like, you know, interests, what's it like living in America? And I'm like, man, I don't really like think about these things on a day to day basis. So it kind of made me think deeper about myself and like what my role is in this massive world full of all, all these different people. And, um, as a lot of people know, Italians are very passionate about food and, um, we would always have family dinner. We'd eat, eat that same meal every single day together. And it always came with great conversation and, uh, insightful discussions. But one of the things we would always talk about was kind of just like the food in the U S and particularly because I was taking a class called Mediterranean food and culture and, um, the, the class itself was pretty interesting, taught by this German guy who was incredibly knowledgeable on food. And, like, the first day of class, he opened it up with a discussion, In the first slide just said, what is food? And I think, like, the Americans in the room were like, y- you know, it's, it's genuinely a good question because <clears throat> when you unpack that, the simplicity and the beauty of that question, it's like, shit, well, a lot of the food we're eating isn't actually food. It's just like highly processed garbage. So, and then when you look at it in the context of this old traditional culture in Italy, like these people are really eating like these rich foods, like, you know, fresh fish caught from the Mediterranean and fresh produce from right up the road, uh, from the farm up the road. So for me, that's when like the food narrative started to, like food system things, seed was planted for me. You know, outside of that, I, I think like diet, I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I'm trying to piece all this whole thing together. but I think diet and nutrition played a huge part in like my performance side of thing for baseball. so it was always something I paid attention to. and I would experiment with like the keto diet, uh, paleo diet, fasting through through college. and then um, you know, as I had this experience in Italy, I was the, the seeds were playing like, okay, like food system, like, these people eat totally different than the way we eat in America. Like, why is that? Why do they all look so much healthier? And so this was something that like the contrast really was like deeply planted. And then I got back, I got a job in, uh, real estate investing out of school, um, and worked that job for five, six years and kind of, kind of got to the point where I was like, I, I like this, I'm interested, I'm learning a lot, but I know there's something else out there for me and I've been doing a lot of side research on the things that are happening in the world of regenerative agriculture, uh, human health and a lot of like the climate conversations, like what we need to do to make a better planet, a healthier planet, sustainable future. And, uh, kind of just fell on the idea that, and you know, I was working in finance at the time. So I have this like financial background like the incentives in the food system are so broken, that if we keep doing what we're doing, things, things will just, it'll be like the stock market crashing times a 1000, because it'll be human, the human health crisis uh, imploding. So I was spending the last like 24 months, basically, like kind of beginning of COVID, transforming my thinking around like, okay, like, what do I want to do with my life? How can I get involved and like, figure out like the best path forward like do i go back to school do i just dive in and try to make like make some change happen and ultimately just um through some iterations honestly of trying to start a business not it not going anywhere then writing online and it's kind of picking up traction and then collectively doing that with brett who plays the other meat mafia account um you know the collective energy of us both working on kind of tackling these problems around the food system together has led us to where we are today which is you know we've got the podcast going we're writing online on twitter uh we've got a Substack, and we've got you know plans for the future to kind of keep moving the narrative forward around what it means to be healthy and how we can rewrite the incentives around food because like to me we have it all backwards we've got this globalized food system that just it's delicate and if we don't start thinking about it in a more localized manner i think we're going to really really suffer from it from a health perspective on the human level and planet level so um let's dive into any of that any deeper into any of those that any of those things i brought up that you want to but that's the short and quick
1: that's yeah that's a (laughs) beautiful and, and rich storyline, arc of um, your hero's journey has been, has been one where it seems like you're driven by curiosity and a passion to, to help. There are so many touch points along the way there that, that we could dive into. Uh, I know that you kind of drew out your timeline there. How long have you been working on the Meat Mafia project with Brett, creating content around realigning the incentives in our food system to get us into a better place?
0: Yeah. So Brett and I started writing together in January, but I started writing for a guy named Texas Slim in December for about four weeks. I was putting together blog articles. And at the time I was pursuing a business idea to create a marketplace for farmers to access secondary sources of income. So basically collect all these farm stays around the u.s or around the globe put them all on one site so you don't have to go through airbnb and then eventually build out different ways for farmers to interact online but have it in one centralized place things like this exist like i think eat wilds is a version of it that exists that's not exactly the way i was thinking about it but it's like helping farmers use the internet and leverage um like get better market access and ways to make, make money. So, uh, that idea kind of just, it, 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 it was picking up steam and then I started picking up steam in, in this other area of like writing and my passion was just drawing me that way. And I was like, let's just see what we can do here because like in a short period of time, it felt like the ability to scale something or like put energy into this idea of writing online and like growing, um, our ideas, like sharing our experience of learning about all this stuff. Um, would, would the upside there was going to be much faster. Like we could, we could do it in a you know the span of a few months. Um, and then start to figure out, Hey, you know, if you want to go back to that idea, you can. But, um, so it quickly became apparent that we were like, we were onto something in like February that, hey, we're starting to get a little bit of traction with this writing stuff. Um, Brett and I had come together in January and s- kind of split off and started the Meat Mafia. And by February, we were like, we need to just like keep hammering this home because the message is sitting well with people. And you know, there are people online talking about this, but we're kind of looking at it through this lens of like money and food and how the incentives are just all tangled up in the wrong way. And so by March, we were like, this is a perfect opportunity to pivot up, slightly pivot from Twitter and just continue building through another medium, which is the podcast, the Meat mafia podcast. And I think through that, it just has given us the ability to connect with great people faster and just continue to build our voice and our message around like what's going on in the food system, how it's affecting human health, how it's affecting the planet and what people can start doing in their day to day life to fix it. Um, but yeah, the writing online has been amazing, man. I I could not recommend it more for people. Like, if you'd asked me a year ago what I would be doing, it wouldn't it would not be this. Like, I I wouldn't have been able to think it was this. But the advice I would give, to, like, I have a younger brother who's just coming out of college, and the only good advice I think I could give him is start putting your ideas online and start a podcast where you can just vet out your ideas and talk to cool people and connect because it's just it's invaluable. The internet just facilitates this amazing tool for people to connect like we wouldn't be talking here today if if both of us didn't have twitter accounts and weren't interested in the same things
1: it's true it's true and you're spreading really powerful positive message and it's coming at a time where it's like could be perceived as a counter cultural message which is i i think fuel to the flame because it, it's also true You've got this blend of like well this this is true what we're saying it's true that meat is healthy it's true that meat is great for our ecosystem it's it's true that Small farms are, are the the only way that we'll have a workable food system in the future, and you're you're swimming upstream, up the mainstream to kind of share this this powerful message. And um, I commend you for that, and especially the way I, it's clear that you're very passionate about it. You're driven by something uh, deep, you know, some sort of soul force that is driving you, and you're clearly working very very hard on it. Um, what what would you say is your reason for, for doing this work? What is, what is really driving you, um, every day?
0: Yeah. I, I think that I I just, I I think for whatever reason, I have a, a very, I have a bit of a problem with like top down authority that is misguiding people. Like it just does, it's, it just kind of breaks me a little bit. Like I, I just, I genuinely feel bad for people who are just subject to a system that they don't even really realize. Like, I think there's so many people who don't even, and I'm not saying I see the big picture or or anything. Like I, I see it all. I just know something's wrong. Like 88% of people are metabolically unhealthy. And if that continues, like, how do we get out of that? Like, how do we help people live good, fulfilling lives? And, you know, I think that growing up where I grew up, I got a taste of like, like, big family like um kind of kind of just like this healthy uh happy upbringing and I look around I don't see that as much anymore and that I think that to me is like the biggest fuel on the fire it's like I just I don't see like the light in as many people as I used to and it's like we got to start spreading that it's not it, it it's uh it takes some intentionality to it but I think People who want to be positive, people who want to be healthy, ultimately end up lighting a bunch of people's flames and starting a movement and getting people excited about a little bit of progress in the right direction. And I, I do see, I mean, if you ask me if I'm optimistic or not, I'm, I, I am incredibly optimistic, but there's obviously things to be pessimistic about. But I, I just think the human will is very, very hard to break. And people will ultimately kind of see what's true and what's not. Uh, it might take some time, but I, I, I'm just ultimately driven by the idea that the world can be a better place. And like, we don't all need to be sitting in our own, unable to make the changes that we need to, to like live that rich, happy life. Like, I, I just think it's there for everyone. If, if we can all kind of work in the same direction. Agreed. Well said. I remember,
1: Going through a, a similar journey myself um, growing up and, and sort of like slowly seeing things every year, things would get a little bit worse, like not, not noticeably, but a new two or three years would go by and at least statistically, it would reflect the fact that our, our general health was getting worse. And then they talk about, you know, there's, there's people who talk about the, the climate getting worse um, for whatever, you know, understanding we have of that, um, obviously very complex system, but the two seem to be related um, in some pretty obvious ways. like the more we degrade our soil, the worse our food quality becomes and the worse our health comes. and then that feeds back into the, into the life cycle of, of, of our planetary systems where the, the plants cannot grow as, as well. They're not going to be able to flourish to the same degree, and then that won't be able to store as much carbon into the ground if, if you want to call it if you want to call it that, um, you could also just say that the, the cycle is broken in a lot of ways, like the balance has, has, been, has been kinked. And, and I think that um, coming from a place of truth, from a place of light, from a, a place of, of love, as corny as that sounds, it, it's kind of all we have at the end of the day. What are you going to do? Succumb to the fear, succumb to the, the apathy that we see around us? No, fuck that. That's that's I've been there. I I think most people have. I'm not sure if you have any experience uh, with the sort of dwelling in the darkness, but it's not a fun uh-huh. place
0: to be, you know. Yeah, it's like I I think it's like a coming of age thing. Like everyone kind of has their hero's journey, but it's really just like you kind of learn what the real world is like in your in your 20s, right? And I think everyone or most people go through a period where they're like what the hell is going on? (laughs) Like what is, what is all this shit? And, um, and you do get discouraged, man. Like without, without a North star, you get discouraged. But if you, if your North star is improving the lives of yourself and the people around you, you can just like days, some days will be better than others. Some days will be worse than others, but you can get through it all. And over the course of a year or two years, your life will change. Like, you'll just be... You will be more positive. The people in your life will be more positive for it. And, yeah, the apathy thing is real, man. Like, people fall into ruts quickly because I think they just get discouraged by what they see around them. Like, it's it's just easy to to fall into the the chaos that a lot of people do. It is.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's almost too easy. And in a lot of these large successful companies are, are profiting off it so then you just you just see more of these almost traps set up along the way where it's like right in our pocket we've got these phones and and everywhere there's there's junk food and at the top of a finger you can have pretty much any food delivered anything from amazon there's there's pornography there's like infinite scrolling TikToks. it's like every <laughs> everywhere you look there's a trap to just like add ducks is like you really have to be A samurai to like actually, actually you know make solid progress in today's world.
0: Well said, man. You, You, the mental, the mental fortitude you have to have to to ninja your way through what all the shit that's being thrown at you is is actually really incredible. Not only do you have a phone that you have access to everything out there, but people are literally trying to spend money to get all of these toxic habits into your life. Like, dude, I don't sleep with my phone in the same room. And I think that's like probably a rarity for most people. And if there's one habit, people need to start. If there's two habits, it's don't sleep with your phone next to you and get out of bed in the morning and go for a quick walk without, before you touch your phone, because it's just a gateway, man. Like your brain does not work the same when you are immediately opening up your phone the first thing in the morning. And there's a lot of different other habits like that that I think are out there, but that's one that, man, just gotta get away from the digital de- deluge. It's true, working at a subconscious
1: level too, you're looking at like a trillion plus dollar assault on your perceptions, on, on your beliefs, on your your subconscious dreams and desires, and the, they're coming for you at every angle. They're coming for your soul, like every single, Large business wants your soul, and, and they're taking it. Most most of uh, most of the people are happily giving it over because it's it's kind of abdicating them a responsibility to you know, lead their own life and, and pursue their passion and um, get healthy and, and be healthy. And um, I was having this thought the other day. This this is sort of a half-formed thought where you know in the, in the past some of these big institutions that would go to war that, that were our biggest threats were like nations. It was like Germany and uh, like Japan that we went to war with. But now it seems like it's, it's large businesses. Like it's it's shifted in a way where our, our real enemies are, are the the big food, the big bank, the big uh, pharma certainly ha- has, has made a very aggressive play over the past few years that is, is just like really blatant and obvious and still very few people caught it. And and it, it was just like a full frontal, you know, blitzkrieg. And, and now, like, what is? It seems like big food is gearing up for a similar sort of play, um, trying to remove healthy healthy food from our diet. And they they've been amping up their messaging for for decades now, trying to say that healthy food is unhealthy. And it's just it's bizarre to see play out and wonder like, well, what can be done about this?
0: Yeah, it no, it's uh, dude. Spot on. I don't think that's a half-baked idea at all. I think that's, (laughs) dude, I mean, I I genuinely, I mean, I feel like we're living through a period where there's two tides. One's going out and one's going in, and the one that's going out is completely captured by, in every realm of their life, they're captured by some big institution. Like, tell me the difference between, like, Amazon, Google, Apple, and the government, Like, I think they're all, like, right, you know, walking hand in hand. They're an extension of each other. If the U.S. government has regulatory authority over these four companies that basically have an oligopoly on all the data in the U.S., they own those companies, man. Like, (laughs) there's a reason Amazon moved to D.C. for their HQ, too. It's not just in big tech, like you said. Big food, big ag, all these industries are consolidating their power authorities and it makes it easier for the government to be like well if you want to do this this and this you as you know uh jbs or like one of these packers or uh you know the the contrast is like china where they're much more obvious about how they control companies they're state owned companies the same shit is happening in the u.s man like it's, it's basically the, the, I feel like it's the government's jurisdiction, it's like a jurisdiction war where they know that these companies play such a key role in how like geopolitics all comes together. So if they don't, you know, uh, gain control over like the Amazons of the world or the Apples of the world, it's going to go over to some other, that intellectual property or like that, that power that they have will go over to some other part of the world. So yeah, it, it's... It's crazy to think about how much power is concentrated in these big institutions. And I think that's like kind of the core of the problem. You had a post the other day that was awesome. It was like, regenerative ag and Bitcoin is the revolution or something along those lines. And yeah, couldn't couldn't be more on board with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had that thought after listening to um, Texas Slim on uh, the Pompliano podcast. And he was talking a lot about the Beef Initiative and his experience. Um, with ex- experiencing the, the our food system firsthand at, at a grassroots level, you you'll probably know this Genesis story better than me having having worked with him. Um, and I'm curious what your experience is with with the, the beef initiative and, and, and this movement, but describing how, we, we need a lot, we need many more local centers of beef and Bitcoin is a powerful engine to be able to achieve that because it gives us a sound money, a sound platform to be able to build this new food system that is so needed for an American Renaissance, which is clearly we're at a point now where we need a rebirth. We cannot continue the same old way. We can't change things iteratively. We need, a, we need to completely change the way that we, we do things. And, and that's a, a tremendous outline, a great foundation is, is with beef. And with Bitcoin, based on um, some of these powerful new ideas that are, that are coming online.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's this, there's this quote in the Bitcoin space that I think is really powerful. It's separate money and state. Because if the state has authority over what happens with money in terms of whether or not they can print, you know, $7 trillion like they have in the past handful of months or not, it's essentially just stealing from the people who they're taxing from, who are using their money. Uh, so in my eyes, true, true power for the people, for individuals is me, Harry, you case, we can transact, uh, in a currency that is not able to be recreated or replicated or changed in any form and it's secure. I think the the rails that that there's so many more implications of that system, but the rails and the infrastructure that can be built on Bitcoin will change the food system, will change healthcare. It's just gonna build this peer to peer network until it's big enough where it's like, okay, this system is creating a better society, a parallel society where people can actually flourish because there's l- less reliance on the big guys, and more reliance on Harry to Case. You're providing value for me, I provide value to you. Truly what the Founding Fathers kind of like envisioned for what the U.S. could look like.
1: Yeah, the the American dream is, is certainly one of, of evolution and, and iteration and innovation that's so core to our nation and in our country, and there's been a lack of that it seems like over the past um, few decades, we're still like kind of pounding these same old ideas that, that clearly don't Work we're stuck in this industrialization uh, mindset. I think it's it's amazing how podcasts have, have really changed the game, and podcasts specifically as a medium for, for information. Because um, the the best podcasts aren't aren't ones that are within the industry. Like the ones that I've learned the most from are, are always. Voices that are somewhat countercultural, different from what you hear in the mainstream and actually true and helpful and, and leads to me flourishing and thriving It's like oh, I didn't learn any of this in school, but I'm tuning into this hour long three hour long conversation, putting these ideas into play, and now my life is is getting better and I'm specifically around around diet is is the big one that that really changed my life and I think is is working its way into a lot of minds and in, as it starts there as we activate our vitality then we'll be able to do a lot more in the world in a creative, optimistic, energetic way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Change around diet is so powerful because it's like when you have control of that pattern in your life, like what, what you put in your body, you know, for the most part, it's going to happen every day, you know, two, three times a day, maybe once a day, whatever it is, but you're making the choice to do it. And once you have control over that pattern, that choice, it's it's just so foundational. It's so upstream from everything else. Like it affects your thoughts. It affects your energy levels. It affects your relationships. Like life just gets better when you're on top of when, when you're on top of that simple habit. And like most people think, you know, if you're a health nut, you kind of got like like you know you're, you're neurotic about your health. You're you're too uptight. But it's like oh, it's so liberating being like feeling fucking healthy, man. Like. Most people don't ever get that feeling.
1: It's true. It, I had no idea how good it felt until I started to experience it firsthand growing up on what would be mostly standard American diet, but also just never having the idea that there was another option until something like 2011, mm-hmm. heard Rob Wolf on the Joe Rogan experience. And I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. I'm going to try that. And it's this like new sense of self started to come online just from removing grains and, and seed oils primarily. And it was just like, whoa, <laughs> like I didn't know life could be like this. This is like, I didn't realize I was, you know, suffering through cyclical, you know, manic depression my life <laughs> and then you can pretty much eat differently and feel 10 times better.
0: Dude, that apathy is totally diet related. I think like that most people are feeling it's like they don't give themselves enough time to get out of the cycle, to break the cycle of that, like roller coaster diet. To feel what it's like to not have to constantly be eating eating some sugary garbage or some pizza or whatever it is that's slowing them down. Not to say all these things need to be like, you know, ostracized or eliminated, but the quality of the ingredients these days, it's like it's tough to support being like, like just rubber stamping and being like, go ahead and go eat your pasta that the grain is all sprayed with glyphosate and like supports this terribly high input agricultural system when i was in italy that pasta is fresh man like those people aren't gaining weight from their pasta i'm telling you right now it's different
1: yeah just the the sad truth of that aspect of discipline versus indulgence is just how kind of toxic everything is is these days whether it's the air quality the water quality and then yeah just like the chemical toxicity that's the sad part that i hate talking about and thinking about just it's just so depressing how many microplastics there are in, in, in the ocean and our water supply is just like a mess. And then like the air quality is pretty rough. And then you've got like electromagnetic pollution um, from 5G, 4G, wireless internet phones in our pocket, just all that everywhere. is it, None of these are, are massive and, and hugely concerning on their own, but together they form this pretty heavy toxic load. So I and it makes it, more difficult to to have vitality in, in today's day and age and um i i find that what you're doing the work that you're doing why it's one of the reasons why i've been so drawn to it and why i think it's so powerful is because it realigning many beliefs and perceptions when when most people say hey what, what do you imagine when i say eating healthy what do you think most people imagine in their mind's eye
0: like probably eating something green <laughs> yeah
1: probably like a salad and like yeah. that's not get a big draw to me. most people are like ah oh, salad yuck but you're like oh no, hold up how about, how about a nice big burger like how about beef you know you don't need the buns necessarily like nice steak you know bone broth marrow like how about how about you imagine that when i say eating healthy and then try that you know just try that on for size try that idea on for size see how it works for you
0: yeah man there's like one there's one thing that needs to break in like the human understanding of nutrition and it's the demonization of saturated fat is is causing this it is like perpetuating this idea that like we shouldn't be eating beef, and I th- I do think that it's kind of broken through like sacred cat like you mentioned Rob Wolf. So many people have been hammering this for way longer than I've even been close to involved with this space. The nutrition aspect is one component of it. Now it's like the environmental aspects, like beef is bad for the environment, or the humanitarian aspects. Like there's there's still just like such an uh, objection to beef. But like the nutritional one, it's like, man, if a vegan, we've had so many ex-vegans on our podcast who are now eating animal-based, their stories, yes, they're N of one experiences, but the way that they light up talking about what was happening to them previously when they were eating no animal foods and then when they started, started incorporating beef is almost all the evidence I need to see to understand like, okay, like there there's clearly like two two schools of thought here and one is really like bankrupting you of vital nutrients like b12 seven or eight other minerals or uh, compounds that are just like essential for for uh the human body and it's like okay we're going to demonize saturated fat and cholesterol which was like bedrock of hormone production and cellular life that's just going to i mean that's that's how people go down these these terrible paths um and start feeling like crap
1: it's true yeah we our species has, has used animalia energy, the energy from other animals, whether it's eggs, fish, beef, chicken, pork, bison, forever. It's the reason why we have all these amazing technologies. It's the reason why we have all these powerful cities. It's the reason why we're talking to this is the reason why anyone is listening to this. And right. I guess you could say there are a few more elements in the mix. Maybe, um, you know, if we go way back, I, I was hearing recently that honey played a big part in our, in the evolution of our, of our higher um, capabilities and, and then potentially who knows what, what that other missing pieces, what you ever think about how, how mankind got to, got to here. What do you, what do you think led to, to us uh, being so, so different? I love,
0: I love this topic of conversation. I took a class in, uh, in college and we read Jared Diamond's uh, Guns, Germs and Steel. And that book, for whatever reason, like turned the light bulb on. I was very very into the whole idea of anthropology and like, just like how the hell do we evolve from uh, primates to become humans or have phones and have advanced technology. I so much of it is diet related. Like, I think it's hard to like separate the two. Like We wouldn't be where we are today. Like everything is driven by this like dopamine hit that is incentivizing us to go get, richer forms of food uh, and if we find those richer forms of food I, the analogy would be like we're kind of like crack addicts for or we were at some point for these minerals <laughs> and it's like if we found like a fatty cut of fish or beef or like hell we literally hunted woolly mammoths into extinction because there was like i i wonder sometimes like what must that have tasted like if we were that like dead set on on hunting these animals um uh, yeah, I think that we were just like kind of born to eat like high amounts of fat and um, probably some carbs too, but the fat to me is like jet fuel uh, in comparison to the other macronutrients and uh, a lot of, I think the changes in our the way that we evolved happened because of saturated fat.
1: I also wonder about the, the woolly mammoth. I think the people who are making lab grown meat are making a huge mistake, not... Man focusing on the woolly mammoth like if you're gonna if you're gonna lab grow meat make something that doesn't exist in the marketplace not not you know
0: perfectly you gotta keep that one under wraps man. they're gonna come out with a woolly burger or something (laughs) (laughs) no it's totally true man like these guys i'm like i sometimes i wonder i'm like this is like terrible marketing like why try to turn i mean i get it like they're trying to get people to move away from the burger and into these like plant form burgers but why not just like do a, a more intelligent rebrand around like a different delivery mechanism i don't know i'm not going to give them any ideas yeah. so they can work for that yeah, themselves.
1: yeah we'll, we'll keep that we'll keep that idea under wraps yeah edit
0: that out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What if
1: what would you do if if you heard a knock at your door and you opened it up and and it was Klaus Schwab in his, in his <laughs> black suit and he said hello Harry may I come in would, oh, would you, wait, you let him in
0: It's actually weird because I've ever so like my my job before was like very like plain I mean not very plain vanilla but it was like corporate right. So this whole thing of just being online talking shit and like writing about topics that are totally against the, the mainstream narrative, I'm like, damn, someone might come knocking and that, what do I, I need to be prepared. Uh, honestly, if Carl, or Charles Schwab, Carl Schwab came knocking on the door, I would, I would shut the door right in his face, man. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even ask why he was here
1: that's one way to get rid of him. He's not bringing any good news. He's, he's just, there's not going to be a good, good
0: connection. He would be an interesting guy to talk to, honestly. Like, and maybe I owe it to myself to do a little bit more research on like, like how and why is he in the position that he's in? Like he's pretty bizarre. That man has a ton of power. It's like, where did, I don't know. What did he do to, to get to that position?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. i I've always been fascinated by people with, like, large amounts of power, large amounts of of fame. It's so it's because they they generate, like, this – there's a different way of – like, people like Elon Musk or or Jeff Bezos These like, real people that may just be carried out through through history and and really make their mark. Like, did they just tap into something deep within themselves that gave them this, like – Extra sort of gear, this extra level that they just get really lucky, where they kind of just born into this? Are they like another species? You know, like there's all these, I remember growing up watching all these YouTube videos where, like, no, like, there are lizard people living on this planet and, like, <laughs> they're the ones controlling things. It, it, it's just, I don't know, it, it's, it's wild to, to think about that there are people out there that have all that, that are just, their life is just so much more complex and under pressure than, than I can even imagine. And, I don't know how that it is crazy that, that anyone can get to that position in life where you're just like on top of this massive mountain.
0: Yeah. I think the, the thing that you said that resonates with me the most about how they get there is like the other gear that I think that, you know, they're probably not built all that dissimilarly, but then they found a way to tap into something that's like, most people aren't able to see or, or understand how to tap into, but they can, if they wanted to they're just able to push themselves there I also think there's something to this idea of like when you're younger if you're younger and you're pushed your limits are pushed to a certain point it almost gives you the capacity to continue to push that uh limit even further as you get older like if you're not introduced to a lot of these ideas until later in life around like you know just like thinking for yourself thinking differently uh perseverance like mental fortitude if you're not Really embracing all these things until later in life, it's kind of hard to like develop those skills later in life.
1: That's true. It is a skill, like like playing the piano. If you were you know playing the piano from when you were young, you'd be yeah. you'd be able to just bang out a Bach, you know <laughs> just like be a piano, sit down and just start start you know playing the keys.
0: I actually had this thought and I wrote it down uh, last night. I was like kind of like not able to fall asleep and I wrote this down. And I was like the seeds of doubt like in your own head have been planted there by somebody else. And like, I think that you just have more seeds planted of doubt later in life from other people there. It's like, Oh, I can't do this. Like I can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. You kind of need to be ruthless and like a bull in a China shop with your own internal, uh, architecture. A lot of things that you think are just other people's thoughts implanted in your head that you've let like bear root. Yank those weeds out, man! Like you've got it, you can't let those doubts fucking sit there for too long, or they will freaking be there forever.
1: That is an interesting idea. Are you familiar with the concept of resistance? Um, Stephen Pressfield's War of Art. Bam!
0: One of my favorite, <laughs> books
1: too. probably my favorite book.
0: <laughs>
1: it's a great one. Yeah, such a powerful book. It that's a that's a really interesting idea that the seeds of doubt, um, you know, in the in this. I guess you'd say in the soil of, of resistance, and you, and you the, a lot of people let these. I mean, we all let these plants grow to a certain degree. I guess if, if you really tap into that extra gear, Martin Luther King had this had this idea called soul force, and it was this this kind of deeper energy that he talked about being able to tap into to become the Martin Luther King that that we all know. And I think yeah. a lot of these this extra level that that we're, we're sort of uh, speculating on might be linked to that it's a similar idea is where you've got this real deep sense of meaning and passion and purpose and um, if you're really linked into that it, then you can ride that wave
0: i think the reason you're speculating on it and i think i resonate with it and tell me if i'm wrong is you felt that level of soulful power before in your life for a certain period of time and it does exist whether it and I, and I think that it, it can be captured in different ways, but it's like the soulful power it takes to go from a standard American diet to a fit dude isn't necessarily the same thing as like Martin Luther King going from like, uh, you know, kind of his innocent mainstream life to a little a literal activist changing the world. But that relative change does speak to your soul and it says, man, I can do more. I can do these types of things if I just keep going down this this rabbit hole so it's i think what you're saying is like the the soulful power does exist because you felt it yourself
1: yeah yeah that's a great way to put it we all we all go through this experience and, and we have these ideas about how we can be more how we can give more how we can share more how we can create more how we can be a better version how we can maximize and and actualize our highest potential. And it's not easy. It's never easy. That next step is, is not gonna be an easy one if you're climbing a damn mountain. And and sometimes you get to this point where it's like a crag, where you really gotta take the, this leap into the unknown. This required to do that is like a deep level of, of knowing, like this, you gotta tap into that deeper energy, that soul force to try and burst out in, in, into this, this next level of life, this next stage. And I, I feel like you're probably in the midst of that right now or if not you're you're probably close to it or maybe you just went through something like that what was your experience kind of tapping into that to get to the the point where you're at
0: yeah momentum's an amazing thing man i mean to be honest the past year has been incredible and it's it's been slowly building and i feel like we're really at the point now where we feel like all things are kind of working in our favor and we're starting to figure out like all the systems that are going to benefit how we can make this movement continue to grow. I think that what we've been able to tap into is partially the thing I was talking about in terms of removing doubts of other people from your own like conscious way of thinking, because it's so easy to worry about like, Oh my gosh, I don't have Uh, like a 401k saved up. I don't have this. I don't have that. Or like um, my career trajectory is so ambiguous or like none of this stuff is defined yet. Uh, If you work on something hard enough and for intensely enough with enough focus, you can create enough uh, order so that the chaos is less crazy. And then you can continue to build that order into something that can actually sustain itself. Right. And so like, I think we're at the point right now where we've been living through the chaos. Like Brett's been in San Diego. We've had a bunch of different shit happen that no one even really knows about behind the scenes, but we've managed to work through it. And it's like, this shit's going to fucking rip when him and I are living together and working on this stuff under the same roof. Like we're just like so pumped up about where we're at. And I think, it is kind of that soulful energy like we're both just really passionate about what we're doing and like now it's just like coming together in the next few weeks here um, we're just slowly building the momentum so um, but for anyone listening who's like this guy sounds like he's a fucking David Blaine or like he's just like off his rocker just start with the first step um, like you never know where it's gonna lead you and just keep going
1: yeah you said just a year ago you never would've imagined where, where that you're doing for, for, for a living now and it's like all you did was just show up, try your hardest, be with it, watch it unfold.
0: Chase what works. And if you like it, it's going to last. Like if you're having fun with it, it's going to last. Like I would always tell Brad, I'm like, dude, we're having fun, man. That's all that matters. Just keep going leaning into it like we're fuck up we'll make mistakes but just as long as we're having fun this thing will be enjoyable for us and enjoyable for people who want to engage with our content so
1: you get competitive with with brett with uh, the mr slozo
0: account <laughs> i think we're we're both very individually very competitive people yeah i would say there's a fair amount of competition but not like it's not like you know adversarial or like one against the other but it, it's really like a healthy competition like you're a teammate um like any good sports team, like when you're when you're playing with a guy who's like throwing a hundred miles an hour and like puts on his best performance, like okay, I'm gonna have to try to throw a hundred miles an hour and put on my best performance today. This guy's out there doing his thing, so it's kind of the same way of thinking. You know, like you just have to like raise your raise your standard.
1: Yeah, that that's got it. I feel that as well. Just being um, within the the community on, on on Twitter and engaging with with other people, seeing them reach higher, push harder. It's, it's definitely, um, it's invigorating in a way that I don't get from other social media platforms. And I don't know, I was thinking the other day, I was like, how does, how does, how are there 50,000 extra people who follow Mr. Soloza but are just like, nah, I'm not going to follow the, I'm not gonna follow Comenza. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, who are those people? <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're just fake accounts I made to make them feel better. <laughs> <laughs> nice we, we definitely we definitely have different styles online though which i think is is fun i like to do a little bit more like humor i, I like to have a little bit more humor and playfulness in my shit so it's fun seeing how both of us kind of interact online it's cool
1: yeah yeah it is definitely a fun dynamic and a like great character sort of uh, story arc and creativity it, it's it's powerful what you guys are doing uh, wherever it's coming from keep keep, keep it up it's, a, it's good stuff um i guess on, on that same note who would be some some dream podcast guests that that you were really hoping to to have over the next um you know in this next wave of, of guests that you got
0: i really i really want to have mark sisson on uh he personally inspired me so much to start diving down this rabbit hole and I just love the way he thinks. I think he's an incredible human being. Uh, Just admire the guy, man. So I would love to have him on Um, a few regenerative farmers. So Will Harris, we were down at white Oak pastures a few weeks ago. I'm dying to have Will Harris on. I think we're going to go down there in person and, and record with him. We were unfortunately unable to do that while we were down there, but he's in, so we'll have him on eventually. And then, we have some crazy ideas, dude. Like we want to get some, <laughs> I, if you would ask me if we would have Sean Baker on our podcast within a first few months, I'd be like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, but, uh, so yeah, so I think that that sort of thinking is like, I think we're going to try to just keep reaching for the stars and see if we can get really cool people on. Uh, but Mark Sisson for me would be a really cool one. And then, um, Will Harrison, I I would add Gabe Brown to that too. He's another guy who I really admire.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, Sisson's a legend. What is is it like trying to get in touch with him? Does he just not reply to most things? Or is is it kind of like in the works, but you gotta find a date? Or like, what is that process like kind of behind the scenes?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So I think with him, so a lot of people, it's, it's kind of easy to actually literally just DM them through Twitter. With him, we've met a bunch of people who know him fairly well. So, like, we had Brad Kearns on the podcast. And Brad is like, yo, he just, like, isn't doing podcasts right now. It's so, like, you guys can, like, ask all you want. He's just not doing any podcasts. So, he's like, but I'll, I'll try to, like, reconnect to you guys in the fall. So, that was, you know, a few months ago. Um, yeah, you know, some guests are, are much more receptive. Others, it just, they're busy, man. Like, we... um we have a few other big guests in the back of our mind that they've just been busy. They're having kids, they're working on their business, like they just don't have time for the for this, so you have to book it months in advance. Um, you know, but it it really is like a matter of just like keeping your head down and knowing, like almost just accept the fact like they will come on, it's just not right now. It's like <laughs> eventually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's I know he's writing a book about longevity, so I imagine at some point. He'll be in promotion mode and he'll be hitting up the, the podcast again. Have you tried writing him a letter?
0: I have not. Is he uh, – have you ever tried that? <laughs> no. No, it's just a
1: thought that came to mind. Because, like, it's, it's interesting, all this online stuff. Uh, one thing that I love thinking about is, like, how is how th- the pendulum going to swing back the more of, like, a, more of a real-world, like, tangible 3D, like, IRL? You know, people are kind of – like, letter, who, who receives a letter these days that they actually, you know, want to read?
0: Well, dude, we, um, we sent out a few handwritten letters, uh, after podcasts and they were like some of our first in-person podcasts and I was like, this is such a great idea. Cause it's so different. And then the letter got like bounced back because we were sending the handwritten letter to, it was like, a, it was to Rome ranch, Taylor Collins. It got bounced back cause he kind of lives in the middle of nowhere. And I guess we put the wrong address on. (laughs) So the thought was there, but we terrible execution on our part. We need to make sure he gets gets that letter at some point.
1: Similar wavelength, yeah, yeah. Maybe he could hand deliver it one of these. Yeah. At this point, like a a letter that's like a year old is. uh, I don't know about that one.
0: (laughs) I think I think I'll do that, but with like some some sense of humor. Like, yo, this is a year late, but thanks for coming on the show.
1: On the topic of humor, you definitely have, have a great sense of humor. Have you always been connected to that? I'm fascinated by some people either – I feel like you either have a sense of humor or, or you don't in a lot of ways. And, and the, the people that developed it, um, oftentimes it came through came through some level of, of struggle or challenge or darkness. Like they, um, maybe it was a way to – like a, a coping mechanism that, that you developed or, or it was a, just a skill that you knew that would, would bring you – a better life or maybe your family was hilarious like always cracking jokes around the dinner table I don't know where it, where it comes from but I love humor yeah and I'm always curious what
0: i yeah, to pinpoint this one well I was I was definitely always like in class I would always crack jokes but I always kind of like knew where the line was like I, I had a third grade second or third grade teacher who like her and I would always like banter back and forth and like no one else could really get away with it to the degree that I could like There was just like, I could like say stuff and she would think it was like, it was actually funny. So uh, yeah, I guess it was kind of like, like she almost encouraged some of it, but yeah, I've always enjoyed just getting laughs out of people, man. There's no better way to communicate with people through enjoying life. Life is meant to be taken. You're either like stressed out, worried, panicking and funneling your life through that lens or you're laughing and enjoying the ride and just realizing that like this whole thing is amazing to begin with. We're all lucky to be here. Like I just, I don't know. It's kind of like this Kumbaya, like, Hey, we don't, we don't need to take ourselves too seriously. Like I kind of laugh at a lot of like people who do take themselves too seriously. I've been in that position where I took myself too seriously. And it's like, yeah, it just doesn't work, man. Like it's not, it's not all that fun.
1: (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a great place to, Wrap it up here and just enjoy the ride, and and you know not take ourselves too seriously. I think these, those are two powerful, powerful um, messages to, to sort of wrap up. Uh, somewhat serious and, and deep conversation where we touched on some dark topics. A uh, very ending on a on a light note. And is there anything else that you want to kind of like share? Direct to anyone listening towards, or any any parting message?
0: I was just gonna add, yeah, don't take life too seriously, but change the world. So. there it is like you gotta balance the two (laughs) yeah I think it it makes life fun when you take on things that are just you just know like no one individual can ever accomplish this so it's like you have to be somewhat crazy to think like you're gonna change the food system like that's Brett and I are like we wanna change the food system we wanna change the food system okay like literally you guys are fucking crazy (laughs) Like that no one will be able to do this, but you have to have a sense of humor, humility and understand that, yes, we might not change the food system 180, but like if we do it a little bit and get other people excited about it and can, you know, laugh about it and make it more fun than what the other side's doing, then I think it'll work out. So
1: boom, I'm on board. Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. One step at a time.
1: Yes, one step at a time, one day at a time, and I appreciate you spending an hour here with me, sharing your story, and um, invigorating my soul to, to go out there, change the food system, and share share this passion with others, so thank
0: you. Dude, appreciate you for having me on.